Welcome to this week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. Hallelujah. I don't know. I, I think I've got a word for you. Last week we wrapped up, he's coming for you. Some of you grasp a hold of that word and you still came today and you're expecting and you were going to be like the man that you would do whatever it takes to get the attention of Jesus. Amen. Last week we said how he what, he didn't come for him, but he was passing by him and he refused to allow Jesus to come near and him not get what he needed and desired from him. Amen. See, you have to come into the house of God with that kind of determination that I'm not going to come allow him to come near me and me not get mine. Amen. I, I'm not going to let him just pass by and be close. Amen. Some of you are more desperate than that with a football player or some, you know, artist that sings. You know, we would let, 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 uh, I don't know. Good Lord, I don't know who your favorite is. But some of you get within spitting distance of Ben Roethlisberger or someone, and you'd knock people over just to get his autograph. And some of you would, would fight tooth and nail and elbow just to get into a, a concert of some kind. Come on. But we get into the presence of Jesus, and most of us as believers, we just get numb to the fact that we're just used to him showing up, and we're just used to being near him. But what you need to know is that it's not enough that we just be near him, but that we need to get his attention and say, God, I don't... I'm not satisfied with just being in your presence. I want to receive from you what I believe is mine, what I've come expecting to today. And so that's where we dealt with last week, amen, that he's coming for you. But but sometimes he comes near, but he just doesn't show up just for you until you show some kind of desperation or hunger or desire. Amen. Today, I want to go in a completely other direction since we're done with that series. And I believe we're going to go in this word that says, pull it down. Pull it down. It'll make sense shortly. Hallelujah. Pull it down. I always like to give some message a title and reference point, but uh, I believe it's necessary and it's a word for you and I. How many know sometimes uh, that, that we can get caught up in our own mind and thinking? Sometimes we are our worst, own worst enemy. You've heard me say that. Sometimes it's not the devil that we're fighting. Sometimes it is us. All, all of us probably have enemies. I mentioned that to you last week. I've made new enemies, fresh enemies. I didn't even know I had. And, and yet, but, but sometimes it's not about the people out there. Sometimes it is about us. And I want to look at a, a, at a portion of Scripture today that I believe can speak to us if we'll allow it to today and, and the time we have and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us and to help us and to strengthen us and to bless us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, we're going to look in the fifth chapter and only going to read the first 10 verses. Hallelujah. Well, praise God for everybody watching online. We love you. We thank you. We appreciate you. My God, there's a lot of you on there today. My daughter's watching from Texas. Hi, Mackenzie. We love you. Thank you. She said, you sound great, Dad. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We appreciate all of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're local, come see us. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody, get ready for this week. If you are able and willing, come help us at the food distribution on Thursday. If you were here two weeks ago, it was 
challenging. We're doing a new format. We've fixed some of the problems, but we can use some extra hands if you're free. Come and give us a hand. Volunteers arrive around 9, and I know you'll be blessed. It's going to be a hot one, so dress accordingly. Praise God. Wear some sunscreen because some of us got burnt. I was purple when it was said and done that day. Hallelujah. I'm grateful and thankful we get to do it. Hallelujah. I'm grateful and thankful our church gets to feed so many and they've become to depend on it and that we can be a blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Oh, I tell you what, we're about to pull some things down. This word, I'm telling you, you hear me when I'm telling you, you were about to pull it down, Ramona. It might just be you and I, but we're going to pull some things down. Hallelujah. Yeah. The Lord was speaking to me. The Lord was speaking to me about our church and for some of you, and this is a word for you. So get ready. Second Samuel chapter five, verse one. If you're ready, say amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to make you participate. You might not be Pentecostal, but you're about to be. Hallelujah. I'm going to make you preach back at me today. I always preach better when you preach back. Come on. When you can say, come on, preacher, or amen, or shout back, or hand clap back, something. Amen. So wake yourself up. Get with the program today and and preach with me today. Don't just sit and listen. Don't be a a spectator, but be a participator. Yes, amen. Look at this. Verse 1 of chapter 5 of 2 Samuel. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become the ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Now, verse 4, David was 30 years old when he became king. Now, remember, he was anointed when he was a boy. Now he's 30. And he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. But watch this, verse 6. Oh, thank you, Lord. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. All of us have some Jebusites. In other words, all of us have some people that underestimate you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. Remember I told you about somebody who underestimates me, who's, who, who, who lodged some attacks against me last week, sent me nasty messages, put uh, hexes on me and all that stuff. I'm telling you, all of us have people that are under, bring them on. You're underestimating me and my God. Come on. All of us have family that don't believe in us. All of us have, have friends and other so-called believers who don't necessarily believe you are up to the task. Come on, somebody. But look what it says in verse 6. And the king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, you will not get in here. Even the blind and lame that we have can ward you off. Listen how cocky. They said even our, the handicapped people we have, folks with disabilities can defeat you, David. Oh, they, they thought they knew better, but oh, thank the Lord. Look, it says they thought David cannot get in here, but verse 7, nevertheless... How many of you know, nevertheless, just say that, say nevertheless. 
In other words, it doesn't matter what people think about you. doesn't matter what people say about you. Nevertheless, hallelujah, it doesn't matter how people might underestimate you and I. Nevertheless, amen, doesn't matter even if the devil himself underestimates you. Nevertheless, look what it says, verse 7. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. On that day, David had said anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach the those lame and blind who are who are David's enemies that is why they said the lame and blind will not enter the the palace verse 9 David then took up residence look at that David then took up residence in the fortress and called it the city of David a lot is transpiring in this text first they said he couldn't get in and then he got in and look he, he didn't just get in he's taking up residence in a place they said they could he could not get in oh hallelujah he built up the area around it from the terrace inward and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God almighty was with him hallelujah look at that last verse again and he became more and more powerful and he became more and more powerful because the lord god almighty was with him hallelujah hallelujah now say pull it down hallelujah pull it down Father, I thank you that, Lord, you're going to help us today with this word, that, Lord, you would release your anointing that destroys every yoke, and that, Lord, you would give me just the ability, Lord, to bring forth your word with liberty and freedom. I thank you, Lord, as your word declares that your anointing destroys every yoke, everything that would try to strangulate and suffocate what God you desire to accomplish and for us to receive today. Do what only you can do today, God, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. God, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Now, release freedom and liberty over this this place in the mighty name of Jesus we pray this church says amen. amen hallelujah thank you Jesus well praise God I was recently getting some estimates at my home for some work that needs to be done and I'm not one of those and we were getting some estimates over at the office building because we have to finish the computer lab and Trying to find people to do work is hard. And uh, what most people don't know is when they come to give me an estimate, I'm estimating them. See, it's not always about the best price. Sometimes it's, it's about do they have the competency to do the work. So you ask, well, how would you go about it? What materials would you use? Why would you use those versus what maybe somebody else has told me? Or you hear, I'm interviewing them. I'm seeing if I even want them for the job. Come on, somebody. So I had somebody come and give me an estimate for a roof and uh, at my house. One of them said, I'll leave what's on there. And I said, well, can, can the, the trusses withstand the weight of the slate that's on there in addition to the steel we're going to put on there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one comes and says, oh, no, you don't want to do that. Uh, you're you're going to have problems and you're going to end up instead of this amount, it's going to be like 30 some thousand dollars if we we have to fix that and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm always estimating them. How many of you know that? It, 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 so in the midst of getting an estimate, you just don't get an estimate for your car and go with the cheapest because sometimes the quality of the work you will get will be exactly what you paid for. Yes, yes, yes. And see, our society, even when I go to the grocery store, I'm, I'm sort of estimating people. Even when you and I go buy produce, right, we look there and we're, we're sort of comparing, right? Uh, 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 what, what this apple looks like compared to that one, or what this head of cabbage looks like compared to that one. Yes, amen. Even we do that with people. 
uh, we look at people when we, we compare them and we sort of size people up and then we make a, a judgment. Yeah, we do. Uh, especially uh, before somebody even speaks, I, I sort of am looking at them, right? We look at them and we're, we're sort of just estimating them and seeing what kind of person they really are. Then usually when someone speaks, it can confirm to me what my first suspicion or estimate was about them. Hallelujah. I was in a meeting this week with, with uh, a couple folks, and the one man was really, really quiet. And finally I said to him, I said, did you have anything you wanted to say? You've been awfully quiet. And he said, no, no, I'm just listening. And I thought, hmm, it's a good quality to have. Most people just want to be heard. But I was grateful and thankful he just wanted to be in the room and listen. And so it let me know that he's someone that, can, can, uh, that has wisdom and knows when to speak and understands that his words have power. Yes. And so it confirmed what I initially had thought about him, that there's an underlying strength that, that lies within him. See, we're all always evaluating people. We even do that in the midst of church. We evaluate people. I know we like to pretend that we don't, but come on, somebody. We evaluate people. We'll come in and we're watching people and we say, mm hmm, uh huh, she ain't who she appears to be. Hallelujah. Or we'll do it with our family or you'll do it at a picnic later today. I know, uh, I know we don't like to admit those things, but we do. We often evaluate people. Hallelujah. We're always evaluating. Even in life, we're evaluating risk versus reward. Uh, if I do this or if I'm around that person, there's a risk. Amen. There's always a risk and reward. Hallelujah. I I've personally learned that some people just like to fight. Uh, someone's just been poking at me, poking at me, trying to get me to engage in this online thing, and I just refuse. I refuse to acknowledge that devil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I learned a long time ago, I never go into battle or a fight with someone if there's nothing to gain. How many of you know, sometimes uh, some of our spouses will try to fight you. Oh, if I'd have known this just 20 years ago, I might still be happily together. Amen? Because listen to me. Sometimes some people like to poke at you just to get a reaction out of you or because they're having a bad day, they want you to have a bad day. Haven't you ever noticed that? There's some people I've worked with over the years who, because they're having a bad day, they just want everybody else to be miserable around them. Yeah. But I've learned over the course of time, Ramona, I learned a valuable lesson that I don't have to fight everything that comes to me that looks like it wants to fight. Every person, every situation, every problem, or even every devil. Because what I've learned is if there is nothing to gain, or as the Bible puts it, if there are no spoils to be taken, it's not a fight I need to be engaged in. Hallelujah. So if I'm not going to gain anything from it, if, if, if me fighting you, I'm not going to get anything from it, I'm just going to be quiet. Because it takes more strength to be quiet than it does for me to shoot my mouth off. Oh, yes, it does. It takes a lot of strength. See, some people like to just be heard, and they'll blurt out, and they're the loudest one in the group, or they're always swinging fists at somebody. Amen. But it takes real strength to, to be restrained. It takes real strength to not say anything, to, to not say much at all, or to let you act crazy in my face. I've had people swinging and screaming in my face, daring me to hit them, and I've just stood there like, you look like an idiot right? Just calm as can be, just staring them down. And it takes restraint. I wasn't always like that, Ramona. There was sometimes, hallelujah, I'd swing back. Maybe there were sometimes I would yell back. But over the course of time, what I'm trying to say is God has done a work to be able to say there is a time for you to, you know, 
be angry, but there's also a time to be restrained and be quiet, and it takes strength to do that. And so I've learned that if there's nothing to gain by fighting you, I'm not going to fight you. Oh, hallelujah. It's going to make sense in a moment. Because the text that we're talking about, the text is all about how King David was extremely underestimated. Extremely underestimated, not just because he was royalty, not just because he was anointed or chosen, but because David was relentless. I don't know about you, but people have underestimated me all my life. Even as a child, people underestimated me. Amen. I've got teachers who are baffled and shocked when I see them that he said, you really became a preacher? Really? You were bad, right? You you were always in trouble, right? You, You even weren't the smartest one in the class. Nope. Nope, I had to repeat seventh grade because I was chasing a a girl more than I was chasing the books. Hallelujah. And so I had to redo seventh grade. And thank God my parents moved so I didn't have to repeat the same grade at the same school. Come on, somebody. And so because I was always fooling around, I didn't take it serious at all. And so now that I've gotten older and I take studying serious and I furthered my education, I did all that after I didn't you know, after 12th grade, after you graduate, I I finally got serious. And so people have always underestimated me. People continue to underestimate me. People continue to underestimate our church. You wouldn't believe how many people ask. I don't understand how you all do all the things that you do with the people that you have. And because you're not some big mega church, how do you do what you do? Because you're underestimating me, but you're underestimating God. See, I understand him more than most of the people who underestimate you and I. And this is a text about David being underestimated, not just because of him being royalty or being anointed, but because he was relentless. Hallelujah. He was a relentless man. I really believe that's one of the reasons that David was chosen was because he was relentless. He was relentless. He just won't let up. I'm one of those people. I'm relentless. I won't let up. I I said that to our political leaders, that first listening session we held that some of you were at. I will not let something go until I see. Have you all noticed some progress next door? I have. Hallelujah. Have you all noticed there's starting to be progress throughout our city because of the attention we've drawn? See, I am relentless. I won't let go. We won't stop. We won't stop until we get the results we want to see. Amen. See, David was relentless. That's one of the reasons why I believe God chose him. Because what I know for sure is you don't want someone who has to be a fighter to give up in the middle of the fight. There's a lot of people, sometimes us as church people, we end up giving up in the middle of the fight. But David was chosen because God was able to see that he was relentless. He was tenacious. Hallelujah. But I want you to understand for a few moments, I need to lay this out. I want you to understand who the Jebusites are. So you can, under, so you can understand why they made the gross and terrible mistake of underestimating David. Oh, Hallelujah. See, the Jebusites, for anybody who's a note taker, you can write this down. The Jebusites, their very name simply means the trodden underfoot. The trodden underfoot, it means, or the down tramplers is another way of putting it. The down tramplers. In other words, they had a reputation of taking you down. Uh Uh-huh. They had a reputation of taking you down. But, but I want you to know more specifically, the, 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 the Jebusites are the, are the ancient descendants of Canaan 
who were the descendants of Ham, who were also the descendants of Noah. I say that because they were occupying this particular territory we're talking about, which is what is now known as Jerusalem. But the Jebusites were people that were cursed throughout history by God. Oh, hallelujah. Cursed throughout history by God. Now, because uh, I'm trying to summarize and bring this together for you to understand the text that we read, because of them having poor access to water where they are, the Jebusites had built these big underground waterways to irrigate the land of water. Because uh, what is now Jerusalem, the area where they were uh, taking up, uh, uh, where they had uh, occupied, that David was going to try to conquer, they were, they were up high. They were high in the hills, all right? And, and, uh, and so the, in order for them to get access to water, they had to build these huge underground waterways to irrigate water to get it up to them so that they could survive. Hallelujah. And so the, these waterways, just to give you an idea, these waterways were, were, were big enough that like four or five men could stand side by side, straight up in them. That's how deep and wide these things were. I mean, phenomenal. And they didn't have big caterpillar earth-moving machines or anything like that we have today. Hallelujah. But they were that big. And they used those just to irrigate the land of water so they could live as the Bible says, in high places, in high places. And so David has come to attack the Jebusites on what will soon become known as Jerusalem. And so they're strategically set up on a hill. But over the course of time, the Bible teaches us that they were plagued with something like 52 different plagues. But they survived them all. The Bible even says that angels had been sent to attack them and they survived. Judges had attacked them and they survived. Joshua came to Jericho and they fought with Joshua and they survived. See, what I came to understand about them as I was reading up this text is when, when something has survived a long time and for generations, there's a certain arrogance that sort of comes with longevity. Haven't you ever noticed the older that we get, the more arrogant we get about things? Can't tell me nothing. After a certain particular age, right, we're, maybe when we were younger, we were really insecure. But Lois, you should know, you're the oldest in the group. Hallelujah. That, that, that when you reach a certain, a lot of people say, when I, when I reached 50, I just didn't care anymore what people thought, or when I reached 40, or when I reached 60, I just stopped caring, right? And so there's a certain arrogance that comes with longevity, with living longer. Amen, Lois? That the longer we live, the more arrogant we get about things, about circumstances. And so here the Jebusites are. They've survived being, being attacked by angels. They've survived over 52 plagues, and they're still living. They, they survived being, being attacked by other people, and so they're still at it. And it wasn't because they were strong. It was because of their position. I want you to understand that. And so they had a certain arrogance from being able to survive all these things. And so here they are. They, they scoffed at David. They were saying in the text that we read, we don't even have to fight you. Our very lame and handicapped people can, can, are enough to annihilate you. They were, they were getting pretty, pretty confident in themselves. They were, they, they were, they were, they were feeling really good about and, 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 and arrogant about their position. 
And so they said, even our, our, our lame people can annihilate you, and we can defeat you with, the, with those that are crippled. And so think about this. They're talking to the king of Israel, but nobody had annihilated them because of their position, because of them being set in a high place, the Bible said. It wasn't because they were powerful. It was because they dwelt in a high place. I need you to understand that just for a moment. We'll come back to that, and it'll make sense. Hallelujah. Anytime you and I would go to battle, or even when, when, when uh, militaries go to war, it's all about having strategic position to have the advantage over, over your enemy. Glory to God. And so here they are. The, 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 the Jebusites are dwelling in a high place, which will become Jerusalem eventually. But it's currently occupied by the cursed descendants of Ham, known as the Jebusites. Are you still with me? All right, all right, all right. So David has become king of Israel. But the text, notice when we read the text, it calls the king a shepherd. Isn't it interesting that the Bible takes the time to call a man not by his current anointing, but by his previous job? He doesn't call him the king. The Bible does not. The Bible refers to him as a shepherd by his old job. But I want you to understand something about David. I don't have time to go back over the entire history of David and the kind of man that he was. So we'll just summarize it. That David is, a, is an aggressive man, but he's really a scuffling shepherd. He was not afraid to get dirty. He wasn't afraid of a challenge. He wasn't afraid of any of those things. A, a, a shepherd is, is, is not known throughout history, or in, especially in the Bible, as necessarily a, a prestigious job. In other words, a shepherd is really an animal caretaker. A babysitter. And so we, when we think of a shepherd, we think of a shepherd babysitting sheep. But see, David had, had to learn how to scuffle. Shepherd aren't just babysitting sheep. Shepherds do have to learn how to deal with anything that would come to try to harm their sheep. How to deal with any, any, uh, any, any enemy that would try to come and attack them or kill them or take away from their flock. And so David had... had, had not just been sitting babysitting sheep, but he had learned how to scuffle. He learned how to deal with anything that was a threat to him or his flock. Hallelujah. And so there was a time David ruled over Judah, and, but, but, but not Israel, and Saul and his descendants controlled Israel. And there was a time that Israel did not even accept David as king. Remember, I said that David had three anointings. I'm throwing this all out to you so I can get to the good stuff. So it's important because I want you to have a firm understanding of what brings us to this place. The Bible says that David was anointed three times. <coughs> I've done some teaching about those three different anointings or, or what I call the three levels of anointing. The first anointing that he received was given by Samuel, which anointed him while he was yet a shepherd boy to be king over Israel. Then, then the second time came years later, and he was anointed by Judah to become the king of Judah. But even though he was king of Judah, he was not yet king of Israel, even though he was first anointed to be king of Israel. Uh-huh. And then the third anointing comes when he is 30 years old and is anointed king over Israel. 30 years had to pass before he actually stepped into being what he was originally anointed to be. Oh, hallelujah. So it's, it's a fulfillment of the first anointing. 
Look how long it took David to step into what he was really anointed to be. In other words, sometimes it takes you and I some time to fully step into everything that God has called us to be and, and, and receive and be a part of for heaven. What, what I really believe is the problem in, in our church culture today is we often get, it, get anointed to do something and we think we're ready to go right then and there. I've had a lot of people be called to do this and called to do that. And because we didn't put them to work right away doing it, they got upset because they thought being anointed to do it or, or us confirming they were called to do it meant they should go to work right away. But this is a perfect example where sometimes it can take some time and sometimes it requires a few anointings, a few levels to go through before we're really ready to do what God has called us to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm assured by the fact of what the text says that, that while, while, while he, he was walking into it, he, 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 and while he was anointed to do it, it, it may be a long time coming, but when it comes, it will last longer than it took to get it. Notice the Bible says he reigned for over 40 years. So when he finally stepped into it, he, he was walking in what God had anointed him to do longer than he had to wait for it. Hallelujah. So now the text that we're reading is now he's walking in the fullness of his anointing now. Hallelujah. It takes some time for you and I to realize who we really are. It takes some time for you and I to realize that even though he was anointed back then, the fullness didn't manifest until he was over 30 years old. And so here's David. He's a shepherd, but he's a scuffling shepherd. And he had to fight all of his life. His entire life was all about fighting. The Bible says that he had to take care of sheep, but, 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 but he had to fight lions and bears. That's what the Bible says. And, and he was precise in the fight. I want, you, I want to remind you something about David that's, that's important, that he was so precise in his fight that he could fight the lion and the bear, and, and he could fight the lion and the bear even with a lamb in his mouth, and yet he was able to kill the, 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 the threat or the enemy without harming the sheep. Think about that, that even though he was, had, had the sheep so close in his possession or maybe, maybe even in his mouth or even up on his lap that he was able to deal with the enemy so precise that he could kill the enemy without harming the sheep. See, one of the mistakes that you and I often make is that we, we go to fight at the wrong time. Some of us, some of us, some of us fight, but in the process of fighting, we kill what we're fighting for. And while we're trying to stop what we are fighting against, hallelujah. And so what ends up happening is the reason we don't get promoted or the reason we don't get to step into where God has called us to step into, it's not that we're not a, a rock thrower, but our aim is bad because we just start aiming and throwing at anything. That, that's what's wrong with people who are quick to throw punches. Haven't you ever noticed if anybody ever has known someone or maybe some of you have been a fighter, that if, if you're one of those that will throw a punch too quick, you're always in trouble. But if you're careful when you, where and, and what direction you throw your punch, hallelujah, you're more accurate at who you're going to knock out and win. I'm not advocating for balance. I'm just trying to talk to where some of you might have ever been in your life. Hallelujah. If you're quick to just stand up and scuffle with somebody, you are probably always in trouble. But if you are someone who's more accurate and measured in the manner of which you attack, hallelujah, then, then you, you, you'll deal with your enemy without harming anybody else that is in your midst. Thank you, Jesus. That's why crazy people, they'll just go start swinging their fist and throw somebody across the room, and then they'll land on a table where four other people are sitting. 
Anybody else ever have crazy family like that? I mean, I know what it is to be at a picnic and everything just break out. Not any time recently, but, you know, when I was younger. Crazy stuff. Or out here on the corner by the office, crazy people, two women out there fighting one night. I'm telling you, crazy stuff. And they both went to jail. I just stood and laughed. I just thought, man, you all crazy to think you weren't going to get consequences for this. Are you hearing me? Because we'll go and we'll just launch out into a fight without considering the consequences. But see, David estimated and, and understood the consequences, and he was, he was accurate. He was precise whenever he would go to battle. He was a scuffling shepherd. Hallelujah. He was a scuffling shepherd. And that's why I believe Samuel said that I found a man after God's own heart. Because he was a man that he knew how to be a shepherd, a caretaker. He knew how to be tender and soft, but he also knew how to go to war and how to fight. And more importantly, he knew when to do which. Hallelujah. There are some people, they just want to fight everything and all the time. There are some of us that we wake up ready to fight. Because you're just expecting it to be a bad day. How many have ever lived with somebody or knew somebody that they just woke up always ready to fight with you? They were just, tomorrow's Monday and some of you are going to wake up just expecting it to be terrible. And so you're going to be miserable and grouchy and, 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 and grumpling no matter what. And the coffee isn't hot enough and you didn't get time to eat your breakfast and you burnt your toast. And you can't stand anybody at work and you're frustrated at, at, at church and job and you're frustrated with uh, your family. You're frustrated with your stupid car, right, or whatever. It may be, hallelujah, I was talking to somebody the other day, and it didn't, no matter what topic we got on, they were miserable about it all. They bought new tires, they're not good enough, hallelujah. They work a hard job and make good money, but it's still not enough, hallelujah. They can't stand their family, and they can't stand their friends, hallelujah. They have a nice new house they're living in, but it's not still not good enough. I'm not even exaggerating, this is the truth. I finally, I said, you know, you were just one of those people that you would complain if you're ice cream is cold. It really wouldn't matter what is what comes up in your life. You're just never going to be happy. You're just never going to be happy. They're, they're just expecting and waiting to fight. Amen. Finally, we, our conversation got a little bit heated. I said, I think you were just one of the world's worst people I've ever met. I said, oh, yes, I said that. I said, you were just one of the world's worst people I've ever met and a sad excuse for someone who calls themselves a Christian. Oh, yes, I said it. Yes, I said it. Because all around them were people who are conflicted about who God is, who are, who are, are conflicted about what, what, what they should believe, and, and are all around them are people who are looking and watching us and, and understand that the Bible says that, that, that a life with Jesus, he desires that we have a life and have it more abundantly. And there was nothing abundant coming out of their mouth. Nothing abundant. God blessed them with a good house, but it wasn't good enough. A brand new stinking car, and it wasn't good enough. A really nice job, and it's not good enough. Six figures a year, and it's not enough. Hallelujah. Uh, I mean, a nice spouse, and they're still not good enough. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? And so it really wouldn't matter. And so I said, you are a sad excuse for what the Bible says you and I are to be as a Christian. Come on, somebody, because we've got to make sure that we know who we are. David is someone that he understood who he was. He knew that there was a time to be a shepherd, and there was a time to fight. Some of you and I need to make sure that we understand who we are, that we can't be in the mode to fight all the time, but I, we also can't can't be tender and soft all the time. 
Meaning there's a time where we have to just tell somebody how it is. Yeah, you're a sad excuse for what we should call ourselves as a Christian. And then there's a time to be tender and soft and grab them by the shoulder and hug them and love on them and just love them through it. Are you hearing me? David was a man that knew how to do that. He knew how to just love and be tender and soft with his flock, but he also knew how to pick up his slingshot and go to fight when he needed to. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. David, if you remember, was the same man that killed Goliath. Now, David could not use the same rock he used, to, he used on Goliath. to try to kill at the next level. The next enemy he faced after Goliath was Saul, a man that he trusted. A man that he actually looked up to, but more importantly, a man that, that David considered God's anointed. That's what David even said. In the Bible, the, the Bible says that David saw Saul, the current king, as the anointed of God. And so David could not use the same rock that he used to kill Goliath because then he would have assaulted what David called God's anointed. So David had to learn the ins and outs of the word of God. David was a man that had to learn to be shrewd enough because he's being now attacked by someone he respected named Saul. This is all just prior to our text. He was shrewd enough, the Bible says, he was a shrewd enough man that the Bible says that David made his way into Saul's tent, but David didn't kill him. Think about this. He was able to get close enough to his enemy, Saul, a man that wanted to see him killed. David was able to sneak into his tent. He left evidence that he was in the tent and he didn't kill him. Talk about some restraint. Uh-huh. A man that's threatening and wanting to see you dead because David understood that he, he, he could not kill God's anointed. It's kind of like how God's word says, touch not thine anointed and do thy prophet no harm. David understood, hey, in order for me to continue to walk in the anointing that I've received, I can't kill what God has anointed and appointed. But David said, I'm going to mess with him enough to let him know I can get close enough that I could have killed him if I wanted to kill him but I'm going to just leave behind some evidence in the tent to let him know I was here. In other words, I'm going to get in his head. I'm going to mess with him. Hallelujah. And so, 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 he, and, and so he didn't want to kill Saul lest he would be charged with, with, with a man who touched and killed God's anointed. Hallelujah. And so David was a shrewd man. Saul, you need to understand, Saul and David had become enemies after Saul from the beginning had promised David things that he did not receive. Back when he had killed Goliath, Saul promised him when he killed Goliath that he would get his daughter, Michal. But Saul never paid up. Paul never gave his daughter, Michal, to David. He never paid up. And so fast forwarding Abner comes along and the Bible says that Abner came along not, uh, and said to David not only will I help you become king but I'm going to help you get Michal because David was still suffering from a promise that was not kept how many of you have ever received a promise from somebody and they did not keep it oh yeah 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 
Won't that bother you? Sometimes it can come in the form of, of wedding vows. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll come in the form of something else or on the job. We've had bosses promises, raises that we've never seen. We've had spouses and people we were dating promise us things we've never seen. Hallelujah. We've even had church people sometimes promise us things we've never seen. Hallelujah. And so David was a little ticked off that he had been promised when he had killed Goliath some years earlier that he would kill Goliath for Saul. And he said, because of that, I'm going to give you my daughter, Michal, and you're going to live happily ever after. Now here we are years later, and Saul still has not paid up. And yet Saul is wanting to have David killed off. Saul had not uh, came through with his promise, and, and, and he was even threatening to have uh, David killed. And so Abner comes along and says, not only am I going to help you become king, but I'm going to help you get the woman that was supposed to be yours from, their get, from the very beginning. And so David says to Abner, he says, I want what was promised to me. He said, if you give me uh, Michal, who is now married to someone else, watch this. Oh, hallelujah. She is now married to someone else. But, but, but Abner pulled Michal out of her husband's bed, brought her. This is all Bible I'm teaching you. I'm just trying to scrunch and pull it all together. And so Abner goes and pulls Michal out of her husband's bed and says, oh, no, honey, your daddy promised you to another man, and you're going to be with the man that your daddy promised you to be with. You're not going to be up in here with this man. He's not really your husband. And so he pulls uh, her from the bed of her current husband, her, her current husband's walking behind Abner and Mikkel, crying and saying, oh, I want my wife. And Abner turns around and says, no, go back home. We don't want you. She belongs to another. Oh, hallelujah. I'm teaching you some Bible today. I know I'm filling in the blanks of things that we didn't learn in Sunday school. In Sunday school, they didn't pre teach it so R-rated, I know. I mean, the, the Bible, the true Bible is there's some R-rated scenes in the Bible, y'all, if you've really read. Song of Solomon is one of those. Hallelujah. There's some tough stuff in here. And so Abner pulls Michael out of her husband's bed, brought her to David. And Michal, the Bible says, ends up resenting David. She ends up becoming resentful of David because he had pulled her away from her first husband. But even more importantly, she becomes resentful because Saul never kept his word before she met her first husband. And so what, why this is happening, I need you to understand, God was allowing this to happen because God says, I need to bring some things into an alignment that people step in the way of what I was trying to do and what I was trying to organize. So God says, where man got in the way, I'm going to correct what man did that was wrong. Are you hearing me? Sometimes we'll get in the way of what God wants to do. And so God says, I'll bring the correction because you did not stay. You were not a man of your word. You did not do what you said you were do. So sometimes God will bring some course correction in the course of our life and the course of churches. Sometimes we've seen some things happen even in the body of Christ. And we were like, hmm. That's crazy. God says, I've had enough. I'm going to make right what is wrong where man got some things wrong. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. That's what God will do. So God's just bringing some things into an alignment in this place today. Hallelujah. He's just bringing. So when the text calls, uh, and so when the, when, when the text calls David a shepherd, I want you to understand this. It reveals that all he had prepared him for in his destiny was locked up in his history. I, I want you to get this. I'm, I'm trying to start bringing this all together. 
The text, even though David is a king, it calls and refers to him being a shepherd because the text wants you and I to understand everything that is, 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 that is ahead of David for him to walk into in his destiny is connected to his past. In other words, how many of you often cry about all the things you've been through or what hell you are even living through right now? I need you to understand something. When the Bible declares in the book of Romans that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. God was saying, even in this moment, everything of your past. So, so when Saul was not a man of his word and he ended up giving Michal off to another man, instead of giving him to David, it was working for David's good because God was saying there's gonna come a day where I'm gonna allow what, what looks to be working against you work for you. I'm gonna make this right. There are some things in our life that have looked like they've been wrong or going wrong and God says, I'm about to make it right. I'm about to bring this thing into order. Are you still with me? Hallelujah. And so sometimes we in the body of Christ, we struggle to find our purpose or we're struggling to find our destiny, but God has always left clues in your history because that is the foundation that prepares you for your destiny. Everything that you have been through, it was not in vain. Your, your history are the clues for you to understand what God has in store for you and your destiny. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so this text that we're reading is David's history and his destiny colliding. That's why I said he's a scuffling shepherd. He's a, he's a, 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 he was a shepherd that knows how to fight, who was anointed to be king. It's not that God forgot that David is a king, but he calls him a shepherd to draw the association between who he was and who he's going to be. Oh, hallelujah. In other words, let me put it this way. Nothing David had been through will be wasted. Nothing you and I have been through will be wasted. There is not one bad moment you and I've ever been through that will be wasted. There's not one betrayal that you and I've ever been through that will be wasted. There's not one friend that we've ever lost that will be wasted. Are you hearing me? There's not one person that ever lied on you and I that it will be wasted. Instead, God says, I will cause all of it to work for your good. Every sickness, every disease, every betrayal, every bankruptcy. Are you hearing me? Every time your heart got broke, every trauma you've ever experienced, all the traumas of David's life, and there were many, since the very day he was chosen and anointed to be king they came and looked at every other brother of his but him his daddy even tried to overlook him oh you don't want him he's dirty and he's ruddy and he, all he is is a dirty old shepherd boy on the backside and they said no 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 bring him to me he had been overlooked and forgotten see oftentimes you and I feel overlooked and forgotten but what you need to understand is God is drawing an association in this text about David and God is trying to draw an association in your life in the same way to you it doesn't matter how people have underestimated you or overlooked you it doesn't matter how many times you have lost and what you have lost God said I will cause what has not worked for you to work for you because what my word is true he says my word will not return to me void in other words, God says his word won't go back to him in the heavens until it has done in your life what he said it will do over your life. That's why I say nothing that you've ever been through will be wasted. Can you shout amen? 
So let me put it another way. God is saying to you and I, this is why you and I have to stop moaning and complaining and crying over what is painful, over what is grievous, over what has been difficult, over the things that have been embarrassing and humiliating in this life. God took you through everything that you have been through to prepare you for what He is about to do next in your life. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? So I cannot cry over my divorce. I cannot cry over bankruptcy. I cannot cry over every repossessed car or every house that I lost in in foreclosure. I cannot cry over the money that I lost and I can't cry over people that have betrayed me. I cannot cry over mom and dad's divorce. I, I cannot cry over the things and the ways I was abused as a child. I cannot cry over the people that walked out of me and betrayed on me and lied on me. Are you hearing me? Because I understand according to God's word that he says I allow you to endure all that but you are still here shout I'm still here yeah I'm still here because I'm still here because of what God's about to do next hallelujah what he's about to do next so that's why you need to get ready that's why you need to get ready God didn't take you through hell for you to stay in it My God, I said, God did not take you through hell to stay in it. God took me through hell to get me to what's next. The problem is along the way, you and I keep listening to the voices that we've we've been through over the years and it traps us in a place that we wanna stay instead of trying to reach for what's next. My God, that goes along with what I preached last week. That lame man could have stayed in his hell could have stayed lame but instead he reached for what was next which was Jesus he said I believe that there's something next for me hallelujah I'm not going to lay here and cry over where I am and what I don't have hallelujah I realized that God took me through hell so I didn't have to stay in it because he's preparing me for what is next hallelujah thank you Jesus in other words let me put it this way stop trying to deny where you've been I know we don't like to talk about our past much in church. One of these days, we're just going to have a good old-fashioned testimony where we're going to get raw and real about the real hell we've lived through, about what our past really looks like. And when I tell you mine, some of your ears might curl. But, but what you need to understand is we need to not be ashamed of where we've been. We need to stop trying to deny where we've been because using where you've been to, is, is, is God is using to establish where you're going. So I'm not going to cry and mourn and grieve over all the hell I've been through because what God is using that for is to establish where I'm going. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I give you praise. I give you glory. Thank you, Heavenly Father. David's come through years and years of fighting and preparation only to be called a shepherd in the next level of his life. But David was a fighter and he had the stamina and he had the tactics. He let the armies of Israel He led those armies of Israel when he was working for Saul. All of his life, he was a fighter. And God raised David up for such a time as this to take the territory of what is today known as Jerusalem. Now watch this. If David didn't overtake the Jebusites, there would be no Jerusalem, which is the foundation of our faith. I I don't have time to teach that. But it's not only the foundation of our faith, it's the hub of the three great religions around the globe even today. My God. Let me put it this way. The Jebusites occupied the territory of what was now known as Jerusalem. 
and the devil might be occupying the territory that God is going to use in your life. But God's sending an eviction notice to him. I'm telling you, your triumph is often a derivative of your trauma. Are you hearing me? Listen to what I'm telling you. So many times we are so caught up in the trauma of our life, but, but, but your triumph is often a derivative of, of, of your trauma. In other words, God wants to use your trauma to bring you to a place of triumph. You, you would not fight that hard if you had not been hurt that bad. There are some people I know, there are some people that you know, they're just a fighter. They're always fighting you. They're bucking you. They're yelling at you. They're always nagging at you. But this is what I understand about people who nag is they would not be fighting that hard had they not have been hurt that bad. The problem, the reason you can't get along with them is because you simply do not understand what they've really been through. There's a fighter really in them and what you and I've got to learn to understand is how to use that to their benefit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The power for the next dimension is born from your pain. I know this, you and I can't be exceptionally successful if you've not been exceptionally hurt. The hurt, that, the hurt of what you're running from is what gives you and I oftentimes the strength to be able to run to what we're running to. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to understand something. God is clearing the way for you and I this morning. God is, is clearing the way for you and I to make sense out of our history as he begins to open the doors to our destiny. In other words, there are some things that don't always make sense in real time. How many have ever gone through something? And while you're in the midst of it, you're like, man, I don't understand this. Why am I having to go through this? None of this makes any sense. I, I, I'm in the house of God. I sense the presence of God in the morning, or I received that word, or I was really believing God. And, and, and so sometimes we'll go through something, and it's not making any sense in real time. But then eventually, you and I begin to look back over our life, and things start adding up of why we went through what we went through. See, there are some things I've gone through in my life that they didn't make sense when I was going through it. But as I look back, it, it adds up to where God is taking me right now. Hallelujah. This brings us right to where we're reading in our text today. About the time that David is at the bottom of the hill of the Jebusites, Saul has died by his own sword. Remember, I said David had the opportunity to kill him, and he didn't. And so because David was a man who stayed in his own character and integrity and didn't touch and didn't kill God's anointed, God killed him for him. And so by the time he reaches the bottom of the hill to try to attack the Jebusites, Saul has died by his own sword. And so now David is able to officially reign without killing what God anointed and this great acquisition is before him and it's not behind him. And I'm saying that and I'm pointing that out because God told me to let you know that some of your greatest victories are ahead of you and not behind you. Are you hearing me? That this, this text was the moment that David's greatest victories were not behind him to this point. And he had many victories. His greatest victory was not Goliath. He was not the bear of the lion. It was not any other battle that he had faced. It was, not, it was not anything else. His greatest battle was right here in this moment, right before him, of what he was about to do. 
that, that means that the greatest things that God wants to do in your life and through your life, it's not behind you. The greatest miracles and the greatest victories for your life, God gave me this text to point out to you that your greatest victories are ahead of you. They're not behind you. Hallelujah. You, you, what, what you've been through has been training you. That's all for what is ahead of you. Your greatest victory of your life is right in front of you right now. And if you don't get this, if you don't get what I'm telling you, then you'll be one of those people who believe when you turn 40, your life is over. Or when you turn 50, your life is over. Or when you turn 60 or 70, that your life is over and that you don't have any more to give. See, that's the difference. But if, if you will receive this word, it doesn't matter what age that you and I are, you can believe that your greatest victory Victories are ahead of you and not behind you. It doesn't matter if Lois is 92 years old. Hallelujah. Her greatest victories are ahead of her and not behind her. That's the word that God wants you and I to understand. He's bringing us to that place. Hallelujah. And so we're here at the text. I, I, I'm fixing to try to close, but this, there's, there's some goodness to this. And I, I want to get you to the, to the point that is the best part of this. David's standing at the bottom of the hills and the Jebusites have been shouting down at him those insults. You think you can get in here? Even our lame and our handicapped can defeat you. You'll not win. You'll not have success. You're nobody when it comes to us. We're, even our weakest people are stronger than you are. David's standing there and he's entirely shut out of the city. They've got a mighty fortress. It's a city set up on a hill and there's no way in and there's no way out. Or so it appears. And there are some things that you and I often are facing in our life and it looks like we are shut out. I've had some people who called me friends. I've had brothers and sisters in Christ, so-called Christians, shut me out. Sometimes our families will shut us out unfriend us, block us, not answer the door, amen, not, not want anything more to do with you. And you and I hearing, but even though people shut us out, I want, I'm here to tell you that what may look like is shut out is never shut out. It's, it's never shut out for long, hallelujah. They can try to keep you from what God has intended for you, but you can't shut me out from what's rightly mine. We're, now, me and my family, we're going through this battle because of my grandparents died and they left a bunch of money and property to all the grandkids and kids and all that. And, and there's a particular person trying to shut everybody out of it and I just thought you can't shut me out of what's mine or you hear me it's the same thing when it comes to God when I'm in need of a healing when I'm in need of a financial miracle I understand the word of God enough to know I just have to remind the devil devil you can't shut me out what's mine you, you can't hold me off from what I know that God's word has already promised me. Hallelujah. And so it doesn't matter what people do. It doesn't matter what family, friends, or even God's so-called anointed people will try to do to you to shut you out. Hallelujah. You can come to the door of your destiny and it can look like you're shut out. But I'm here to tell you that Jebusite's fortress was just in a strategic location. It's not just that the, the, the Jebusites are warriors, but they're located in a strategic position that is called a stronghold. Oh, now we're getting to the good part. Oh, my God. The Jebusites had that attitude and they were cocky and they had the attitude that their, their, fortress, was, their fortress was impenetrable. That it could not be breached. And they had that mindset because they were so high that they could see down to anybody who tried to access them. The higher you are, you can see your enemies all around you. 
They looked down at David and they laughed at him and they said, oh, even our crippled people can defeat you. And it wasn't the first time that David had been laughed at. Don't you remember? Goliath even laughed at him and said, oh, who sent a boy to kill me? <laughs> See, some of us know what it is to be laughed at and underestimated. I know. I know what it's like to be underestimated and laughed at. I, I, I know what it's like. Hallelujah. I had, a, I had an ungodly non-Christian man say this week, he said, the reason those, those preachers that don't like you, they're jealous of you. And he said, and as far as I know, jealousy doesn't have any place in the kingdom of God. And I about fell off my chair. An ungodly man said that. And so God will allow sometimes you and I to go through the things that we're going through. He'll allow our feelings to be hurt so that you would have the fortitude to take a licking and keep on licking. See, God allowed David to be laughed out when he was just a boy. See, some of you have been trying to make sense of why you went through what you went through. But David was even laughed at and underestimated when he was just a boy, just before he killed the, 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 the giant. He was laughed at and underestimated. And here he is again, even as an adult, he's being laughed at again. But it, what it did was God allowed him to go through it because it developed a fortitude in him. And it made him have a mindset that he, I will not give up. I will not quit come hell or high water. Bring against me, say against me, lie on me, talk about me, do whatever it is you want to do. But it develops within you and I a fortitude. If you will allow what God is trying to do in you to be do in you, it will accomplish the same thing in you. And so God didn't want you to come to the edge of your destiny and burst out in tears. See, God wants to develop and mature some of us so that we'll stop crying about what we've been through and allow God to grow us up and from where we've been through to bring us to the, the gate uh, of this thing that God wants us to take on next. David is standing on the edge of his destiny. It's all shut up. A fortress, it looks like there's no way in. Can somebody say, but God? I mean, it looks like, it's, I mean, come on. There's some, some of us that we've got diagnosis from doctors. It looks pretty for sure, but God. Some of our finances look a wreck and like there's no way out, but God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I, sometimes my list of enemies is bigger than the, the list of people who love me, but God. There are some people who, who would rather talk about me than love me, but God. Amen. There are some times that, that you and I have been through hell and back, but God. And so here's David at this important imperative moment of his life, and, and he looks like he's been all shut out. But this isn't the first time that David's been shut out. I know personally what it's like to be shut out and ignored by people. My God, I, I, go to, I went to Walmart this week and I saw someone who just worshiped with us not long ago and they just shut me out. And I thought, I gave to you, I prayed for you. I laid my hands on you and at first it just like... And then it, the Lord spoke to me through this word and he said, Adam... Anything, anyone that shuts you out, you didn't lose anything. You learned something. And so if you learned something, you didn't lose anything. Oh my God, somebody needs to get that in your spirit for the lesson for today. If, if you learned something from it, you didn't lose anything. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the lessons I've learned along the way. Hallelujah. And so I, I didn't stay depressed long. If you learned something from it, you still profited from it because you got a tool that you didn't have before. And so... 
here, here, here David is standing outside of this strategic location of the Jebusites. It's their place of strength. See, they, they weren't winning and they hadn't survived all this time because they were strong. The Jebusites had survived all this time because of their position. And this is when I, when I tell you about weak people. Weak people have to use position to control strong people lest they get defeated. There's a lot of times weak people that are trying to control you and they try to control you and the only thing that's strong about them is their position. They're not really strong. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so the text brings them to a moment where as the Jebusites are yelling down at David, even our lame and even our weak can defeat you. This is a moment where David is forced to self-evaluate. This is probably a part of the text you didn't see coming. See, David could have given to what they said. We're stronger than you. Even our lame are stronger than you and your army. But this is a moment where David had to self-evaluate. God brings him to the point where he has to evaluate himself. The Jebusites have underestimated David. See, the Jebusites won't kill him. But if David underestimates him, his own self, he will destroy him. Hear what I just said. The Jebusites are not going to kill David. But if David would underestimate himself, it would defeat him. It would destroy him. In other words, it's not what other people think that bring you down. It's the belief system that you have about yourself that determines your victory. Someone needs to receive that today. I, I can feel that bouncing back in the spirit. Like, like you, you just feel like you, you, you can't receive that. That is your problem. Deal with it right now. I, I'm telling you. You know, sometimes in the spirit, I can just feel when it's like a dud. When, it, when, when like up to this point, I've had your ear. And now somebody, now you're going to reject that. So you're going to reject what can fix you. you. So you're happy being miserable. You're happy being broken. You're happy not, not reaching your destiny. Come on. So David would have been defeated in this moment. If he had received what, what they were saying about him and he would have allowed it to, 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 to change what he thought about himself. What am I trying to say? If you and I aren't careful, we'll take what they say and we'll begin to allow what other people say to begin to build a, a defense around ourselves and underestimating our own desires and underestimating our ability to have victory. We were singing about victory earlier. We were singing and praying about victory earlier in our, earlier in our life. And there are some people that you can't reach out and take victory and walk in victory because you underestimate yourself. David would have been sunk in this moment, this destiny moment. God has brought, I believe, even our church to a destiny moment where it's like you and I are standing on the outside of a fortress. He's brought you and I to a moment where he said, I have anointed you and I have appointed you for such a time as this. Sister Amy, you gave a word, an interpretation last week. It goes right along with this. For such a time as this. 
you and I, it's like you and I are right here at the moment of what will be Jerusalem, of what God is going to do great things from. And God and people are hurling down insults uh, that our weakest people can, can take you out. And, and, and people are hurling down insults and, and words to you and I. And if you, if you allow yourself, you'll believe that over the word of God. say how do I know that because there are some there are some devils that you and I are fighting there are some things that we're fighting we're just not fighting our devil I'm fighting my dad's devil and his dad's devil there are some things that are generational that some of us are fighting hallelujah there are some things that have occupied the territory but that belongs to the people of God listen to me the reason that David even though they scoffed at him, even though they laughed at him, even though they were hurling insults, David was not allowing himself to be defeated in that moment because David knew David was fighting the Jebusites, which was which was a generational curse. And where God has cursed Canaan, th th those were his descendants. In, in other words, David was not going to give up because they were occupying a territory that belonged to the people of God. God needs some of you to not give up right now, that there are some devils and there were some things or there are some even Jebusites that are occupying territory that, that God says is yours. The reason our church has expanded the way that it does and the properties we've bought is because I saw it and I said, this is the Lord's. We bought that building because I said, this is the Lord's. We, we bought those other houses back there because I said, this is the Lord's. And we bought those, those empty lots because I said, this is the Lord's. Are you hearing me? And ain't no Jebusite going to take over and own something that, that is the Lord's. Are you hearing me? And so David understood that belief that this was an anointed and appointed for him to be able to have the victory. Hallelujah. This is really a message about warfare. It was a message about David's determination that he says, I'm not going to be shut out. Remember back even it looked like Jericho was shut out, but God had a plan. The walls of Jericho were tightly shut up, but God said, no, there's another way in. And he allowed them to use their praise to bring down the walls around Jericho. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so what David understood is that this city and the walls around it, it was a stronghold. Hallelujah. And what I've learned is if there wasn't any value, there would be no stronghold. Now, I needed you to understand this as I get ready to close. Some of us, what we are fighting and what we are up against right now, it is a stronghold. And the reason it has persisted, listen to what I'm saying. The Jebusites have occupied this area for many years. And they've allowed that to make them cocky and have an attitude and walk in with arrogance, thinking nobody will ever get in. We've, we've lived all this time. We've overcome all these plagues. We've overcome every other battle. We're still here. We're going to overcome this one. Hallelujah. But what you and I must know is the enemy would not be fighting you and causing you to fight the same thing over and over again if there was no value in you. That's how I know there's value. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. God needs some, some of God's people to begin to get violent again in our prayer, to begin to get violent again in our worship. 
where the church can learn to dance again. The church can learn what it is to shout again. Where the church is not afraid to give God a praise again. My God, they didn't overcome and bring down the walls around Jericho giving a, a cute little Methodist hallelujah. They didn't do it by, by raising their hand halfway. They didn't do it by just warming a chair. They, they brought down the walls of Jericho by marching. And on the seventh time, on the seventh day, they gave a shout. And on that shout, it was because of their praise that brought it down. You and I need to know there was something valuable. Jericho was a stronghold that they had to overcome and defeat in order to get into the promised land. They were not able to get to the promised land without bringing down the stronghold. You and I need to understand in order to get where God wants to bring you and I to, you need to defeat the stronghold. That's why the Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. I am violent when I pray. I am violent when I worship. That's why I sweat so much. That's why I get aggressive enough. I am violent in it. I refuse to stay where I am. I refuse to go to prayer and not come out of prayer with what I went into prayer looking for. I don't come into praise and worship and get done with praise and worship and not get out of praise and worship. I don't care what you get. That's why I don't, I, I don't get moved by lazy church people. If people want to be lazy in worship, you'll get exactly what you came in expecting and worshiping God for. And if you want to be lazy, you're going to leave lazy. And my worship isn't responsible for changing you and what you get. Hallelujah. And so I'll come into church hungry and desperate to be denied. And so when I get through with worship, I might be soaking wet through to my underwear, but I got out of worship what I needed to, to connect from here on earth and to the heavens. And when I connect in worship, I'm bringing heaven to the earth. And so I'm basically getting what's mine. I'm bringing down what God said I could have. Amen. When I go to prayer and I ask God for a healing, I'm coming out of prayer with my healing. There's, there's no if it be your will, nonsense it went out of my lips. I know his will because I know his word and you will know his will too if you take the time to get in his word but some of you don't think that you have the audacity to believe God for what he said could be yours because you don't read his word therefore you don't know his will but when I go to prayer I come out of prayer with what I ask for that's why oftentimes we constantly get reports of answer prayer and prayer requests and miracles and healing. Hallelujah. My God, you and I need to understand that, that, that even, even Angela is an answer to prayer. She's not here today, but if you knew the story, you'd know that she is an answer, a walking, talking answer to prayer. <sighs> the very fact that I walk and live and breathe and have a devil doesn't want me to get to the end of this. He'll knock us offline. He'll kill the, the live stream, but the devil is a liar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look at that right in the last five minutes of this word and the devil causes a power glitch. Don't, don't even worry about going live again. Just for, forget it. We're, we're recording, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody just pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory and honor and praise today. Hallelujah. We thank you, mighty God. We thank you. We thank you, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you the honor and the glory and the praise today in these final moments, God, that your will would be done, your word would be accomplished. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, mighty God. Praise you, mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My God. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We honor you, Jesus.
We adore you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you can, can you, if you have the ability, will you stand to your feet? We're going to do part two to this. The best part of this message is yet to come. But can we just heed his word today? I want you to begin to just seek his face. I, we're not going to play the music. We're not going to do any of that stuff. We're just going to heed his word today. Jesus. Jesus. So where you're at in these final moments, can we just worship the Lord? And can we just thank him and praise him? And if we need to, just repent. If we need to, just say, God, I, I'm not giving you my best, but I'm, go I'm going to give you my best from this point forward. Hallelujah. I've not been serving you. I've not been worshiping you. I've not been adoring you the way that, Lord, you deserve to be. I, 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 I've not been giving you my all. But, Lord, today I, 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 I lay that before you, Lord. I, I'm not going to be lukewarm, but, Lord, I'll either be hot or cold according to your word. Hallelujah. Because, see, God wants to get you and I to the end of this text that we were preaching about to be able to pull it down. But in order to be able to pull down what, what we're going to get to, uh, I'm telling you, you, you have to be able to have a, a worship and a, and a praise and relationship like David where you know when to be gentle and when you know when to, to fight. But I want to know that when I go into battle that God is fighting with me and for me, not against me. Hallelujah. David was able to have victory and success because he knew that the, the Lord was fighting with him and for him. Come on, somebody. And so you and I need to give God the praise and the glory that is due him today in these final moments moment. So, Father, we bless you, and Lord, we thank you. Lord, we adore you, and God, we honor you today. Lord, we do give you praise. God, we, gi we give you just unadulterated praise, God, today. Praise that is not corrupted by any other thing or instrument or voice, but, but praise straight from my lips. God, even your word has declared that, that if we don't praise you, that the rocks would cry out. And so, God, will give you the praise, and we'll give you the glory that, Lord, even your word says that you, we shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And, and so, God, we know that our victory is in our mouth. God, victory is not tied up in any other thing, but victory is in our mouth. Victory is in our worship. Victory is in our praise. And so, God, we will give you the praise and the glory and the honor today. We lift up your mighty name. We, we, we praise your great name. Great is your faithfulness. Great are you, Lord, high above everything else. We love you, and God, we thank you. We praise you, mighty God, for surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. I thank you that Lord, no weapon formed against us prosper. And Lord, every tongue that rises against us would be condemned. That's because of you. And so God will give you praise. It's not because we are special, but Lord, it is because of you. I thank you, the Lord, even the Bible declares that we're more than conquerors through Christ that strengthens us. God, I thank you that we're not conquerors because of us, but it is because of you. So Lord, once again, you deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. And Lord, you deserve the praise. And so we lift our voices in praise and glory and honor to you today great and mighty God that you are. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you. God, we just lay ourselves before you and we say, God, 
in every way that we've not worshipped you, in every way that we haven't praised you, God, in every way that we haven't surrendered and submitted ourselves before you in this place, uh, God, we lay ourselves before you, and Lord, we, we repent, and we say, Lord, forgive us uh, for the error of our ways. God, forgive us when we come into your presence and dare forget who you are. But God, we come to this place that, God, you would, you, you would make yourself known, that you would make your presence known. God, you were always faithful in this house, uh, demonstrating your presence and your power. But Lord, don't let us become so acquainted with it and so used to experiencing it that we take it for granted uh, and we just expect you to show up, God, when we decide to. God, I pray today in the name of Jesus uh, that you would cause there to be a mighty wake-up call and a mighty shaking within our lives and in the body of Christ, even as your word has declared, awake, awake, you who sleep. Uh, God, to every person that is lulled to sleep in the presence of God, wake them up, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Allow every sleepwalking Christian to come awake in the name of Jesus. That Lord will not miss your presence, will not miss a moment that gone of what you want to do and when you want to accomplish it. So God will give you the glory. God will give you the praise and all the honor and the glory and the praise in this place today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We love you and we praise you and we'll give you the thanks and praise today. Mighty God that you are. We love you. We glorify you. Great God, King, mighty Jesus that you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Glory to God. We love you and we thank you. We love you and we thank you. We love you and we thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Now, God, now, God, go before us. Go before us this week. Draw us into your presence. And God, I pray that, that you would cause us to, or to find a place within us of worship and praise. God, that within us, we'd find the shout within us. Within us, God, we would find the praise within us in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you. I thank you and I praise you for it, God. I thank you that, Lord, as, as we leave this place, that we will not walk from your presence. We'll not, we'll not walk away from you, but God, go with us. Presence of the Holy God, go with us. Mighty Holy Ghost, wherever we go, whatever we're in the midst of, go with us, I pray. Tarry ye with us. Hallelujah, I pray. Let, let your, your presence be known to us and everywhere that we go. Bless and move in this place and in our lives as we go from this place today. God, bless and move and minister. God, even as people have given online and we give on this place today, God, do what only you're able to do. Multiply. Allow it to manifest in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen. Amen. Now, pull it down. Part two will be next Sunday where we'll get to the good stuff. You better come ready to shout. You better come ready to have the victory. I'm telling you, the best part of this text is yet to come. Pull it down. God bless you. We love you. Have a beautiful week in Jesus.